beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves, and the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. June is my birthday month. It is also the halfway point in the calendar year. It is also the end of the school term, the beginning of summer. June might represent a lot of things to a lot of people. For me, it is kind of a melancholy month. In our family, this time of year has a lot of tenderness to it. It's peppered with a lot of sadness. We've lost two people very dear to us in the month of June. That makes those types of anniversaries tricky and emotional. It feels like there's just a lot of emotion in June that maybe we are or are not ready for when we stumble out of spring and into this month. I also have a lot of complicated feelings around my birthday, which maybe everyone does. I'm not sure. It's not always world's biggest celebration, not because of the aging factor, but because I get extra nostalgic. I get extra reflective And if you listen to the show, you know that that's my default mode anyway. (laughs) Like that's sort of already how my brain works. So to get into a space where there's more of that, it it starts to tip into being a little bit unhealthy, you know, being navel gazing. I don't like to criticize navel gazing. I'm a huge proponent, obviously, of journaling and self-reflection. 
but it does for me around my birthday time start to get into a place of, I'm not sure if it's like self-pity or like sadness maybe around time passing, you know, and it's just not always a welcome emotion. I also battle in this time of year around my birthday, a lot of old, ugly feelings from my childhood that have to do with like loneliness and separation. I spent my childhood birthdays from the time I was seven until the time I was 18. I spent those birthdays at summer camp. So away from my family. Now I was with friends. I have a lot of wonderful memories from that time, but there was also a primary driving emotion from spending all of your childhood birthdays away from your family and away from your home, every single one. That sort of brings up a lot of abandonment is too strong of a word, but loneliness, I guess, and separation, like I said. And that rears its ugly head in June every single year. Try as I might to stuff it down or cleanse that energy, you know, meditate or pray away those little tea traumas. They come up anyway, every year in my journaling, in my mood, in my general aura in June. So I feel like I approach this time of year in the best way I know how, but there are some years where that feels better than others. And in this year, 2023, as I approached turning 44 this June, this month, I was limping into that birthday, honestly, for a few different reasons. One is just, it's been an incredibly busy season for me, like work-wise, launching the book, a lot of extra travel, just a lot of upheaval to my routines and my rhythms and the things that make me feel safe and less anxious. You know, a lot of that has gone out the window in the last few months. And so I knew that for my birthday this year, I really needed to like take a good hard look at what was working in my life and what wasn't. I needed to like harness this self-reflection, nostalgic, sentimental energy that comes around my birthday. And I needed to funnel it into, you know, feeling like there was movement happening with those feelings and, and that mind swirl and not just that I was sitting in it. And so because I had to be in Texas for a work event, another stop on my book tour for the Life Council, which was amazing, by the way, it happened to fall in my birthday week. And so I went to Texas early. I spent my birthday completely by myself with my journal, you know, with my thoughts. I turned my phone off and it was so good, actually. It was so good to just pour all of that out and use it as kind of a reset. I bought a journal. I bought a special journal just for my birthday kind of week, essentially. I wanted a special journal for that purpose because I felt like I was going to have a lot of messy thoughts. I was going to have a lot of stuff I wanted to pour onto the page. And I didn't want that to be in my quote unquote regular journal. I wanted to feel free to say everything that I wanted to say in this one notebook. And then when I was done with it, with my birthday week, with those pages, I could feel free to throw them away, that I needed them as processing time, but I didn't need them to stay like 
in a hope chest tied up with a bow. This was a journal that I bought for birthday week that was like a tool. It was something that I was going to use for a few days and it could just be totally separate from all the other journals I have because if you follow along here, you know that I have work journals and life journals and like all the different ways. When you compartmentalize like this, it gives you a little bit of freedom to let you kind of categorize your thoughts or also, like I said, to throw it away. If no one has ever given you permission to throw away your journal, let me tell you right now, throw away those writings that do not bring you joy, that are not documentation you feel like you need to keep. If you are journaling something that is really hard and messy or that you are deeply afraid someone is going to find and read, why do you feel like you need to keep those journal entries? The benefit to journaling often comes in the processing. We think that we're going to go back and read them. I have tried many times to go back and read journals. And unless you are looking for something very specific, like you need to know when something happened in your life, something that was documented in a journal. Otherwise, sometimes it's really painful to revisit our journals. And so give yourself permission to throw those pages away, throw away the whole notebook, rip out certain entries. Don't feel like that journaling has to be kept for all of history. Now, I know that I talk about journaling as a way to document your own history and that we should not always rely upon historians or journalists to capture what our life looked like in this exact time and moment, that for our ancestors, there is a benefit to journaling in that way. But in journaling the way that I'm talking about, birthday journaling, when you just need to process a bunch of stuff that's going on in your life, throw that thing away. Don't keep it around your house. Don't worry someone's going to find it. Don't let it stare at you with its bad energy from the shelf. Get rid of it. So that's what I did. I mean, I haven't gotten rid of it yet, but I purchased it and have been filling it in these days and weeks around my actual birthday. And it has been so good actually to finally acknowledge some of the feelings that I'm feeling to, you know, put down on paper some of my struggles and angst and just all the things that a person needs to write down when they're in a busy season, when they're coming out of a busy season or around a birthday. So I spent my day by myself. I journaled up a storm and I kept coming back to a few things, a few ideas, a few I don't know if they'd be like mantras or metaphors that I wanted to share with you that have been sort of rattling around in my brain that I think might apply to a lot of people in a lot of different types of seasons. The first one was actually inspired by volleyball. Now, listen, if you had ever told me how many minutes I would spill talking about volleyball, I I would have never believed you. I'd never even watched a game of volleyball until a few years ago. My daughter plays club volleyball. We went to the national tournament earlier this month, also in June, which is where this inspiration is coming from. And one of the cheers that the parents and spectators do for volleyball, maybe they do this in other sports, but one of the cheers that they really chant out in a tough game is one point at a time. Do you want me to cheer it for you? We actually go one point at a time. Now, parents take on this cheer for their children on the court 
usually when we can tell that the team is in their head, they, you know, have gotten behind, they've gotten frustrated, they're not shaking off tough points in order to play the next point clear-headed and better and stronger and at their peak ability. When we can see that our team is starting to do this, and these are 13-year-old girls, so they are definitely still learning, maybe we're all still learning, how to shake off bad points and how to move forward in the game without carrying your past mistakes with you, we're seeing this happen, this metaphor living itself out on the court. And parents will often jump in with this chant of one point at a time. And what we are reminding our kids when we are chanting that at them is that you have to release some of those things in order to play better for the rest of the game. That we are only doing one point at a time. And if you are down by 10 and that feels like an insurmountable amount of points to catch up, let alone win, that you can only focus on one point at a time. You cannot get in your head about like, how are we going to make up this 10 point gap? Or like, how are we even going to get there? We've already lost. Therefore, we're playing like we're dejected. When you are playing from that space, then you have already lost. You cannot play from a place of being so afraid of the failure that's to come or already beating yourself up for the ways in which you did not win this game. You cannot play a good point from that mindset. And so we are reminding the girls as we chant, like one point at a time, we're just going to creep up and creep up. And it actually works so well. I don't know if it's the chanting that works, but the idea of you can come back from a 10 point or more deficit. You can one point at a time take the lead. And it always feels like a miracle when it happens, but it does happen. When I look around the court and I see all these parents, you know, (laughs) these middle-aged people who love their kids so much and they're chanting this one point at a time at their kiddos. It feels like church. It feels like healing and teaching and all of these things that we are chanting at ourselves as much as we are chanting at our kids. I feel that when we do these chants to support our girls. We're trying to lift them up. We're trying to remind them that they can do something that feels hard right now. We're trying to remind them of who they are, that they are good players and that they are worthy of a win and that they can do this, right? Like we're really chanting and believing that for them. And I feel like, what if we believed that for ourselves in the game? Yes, (laughs) yes. And also in life. And so we read this tournament where that chant came up a lot every day, multiple times a day. This was something that we chanted. And each time, maybe because it was June, maybe because I'm feeling the way I'm feeling in this birthday month, but each time that we got into this mode where it's, you know, 30 parents or whatever chanting this, I felt it deep in my spirit, one point at a time. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, my word for this year, my word for 2023 is focus. And I came into this year knowing that I needed some focus. Like I needed to stop multitasking, stop juggling way too many things in the air. I knew that I couldn't just like fly by the seat of my pants with things like a book launch you know, with relaunching the show, all of these work projects that I've had going on in 2023, I knew I needed some focus. I knew that I was letting myself be distracted by a lot of things that didn't matter, by a lot of time wasters, by a lot of emotional energy that I was giving to things and people that were distracting me from my actual purpose in this year. And so I came in knowing that I needed to focus on focusing. And that has not been perfect at all. Halfway through 2023, this is still a struggle for me, but it is something that I am examining every single day as I'm making tweaks to screen time and the way I use my phone, as I make tweaks to my work life, my parent life, my marriage. A lot of these things are coming back to this word of the year for me, which is focus. So this chant of one point at a time became about more than just volleyball for me. So I came home from that tournament. That's when I went on my little birthday retreat day alone, which side note, I used to do this for Mother's Day. We've now developed some really beautiful Mother's Day traditions in my family. So I don't do this. But when my kids were little and babies and sleep was something that wasn't happening as much as it should, I would take Mother's Day to do this getaway alone. I just wanted to sleep in a cold hotel room. I wanted to sleep through the night. I wanted no one to rely upon me for a meal or a snuggle or anything at all. I just wanted to be myself alone for a weekend. That's what I always requested for Mother's Day. Shifting it to a birthday retreat for myself instead also works. Also, you don't need to have an occasion to do that if you are able to make it happen where you can get 24, 48 or more hours away to remember who you are, to reset yourself. Take that time. But there was something special about doing it for my birthday that let me just be my sentimentalist, my most focused version of myself unapologetically and taking a whole day, several hours within a whole day because of how my birthday falls to look at the first half of the year, what worked and what didn't, and you know, looking ahead to the rest of the year and how I want it to feel, how I want it to play out, what I want to move towards. You know, I feel like I come into this episode almost every single year, my birthday episode that I've been doing now for a while and sharing about how as I age, I am getting closer to who I really am. I'm just becoming more and more myself. And that is true. I feel like I have said that with certainty and meant it, and it was real. I said that when I was 25. 
I said it when I was 35. I definitely said it when I turned 40 in 2019. That was a milestone birthday for me, not just because of the number, but because I really did feel like that year that I was moving closer to the person I'd always envisioned myself to be as an adult. When I turned 40, I had launched this podcast that same year. I had gotten my first book deal. I was on a big trip with some of my very best friends, and it felt like the start of a new era. It was. I mean, I think it was the start of a new era for me. We've all had some detours, including a major pandemic, but turning 44 this year, I can still say I feel like I'm in that era that started when I was 40 and that I am moving closer to who I really am and also, you know, to who I want to be. But I can also say that I've been battling some discontent. And, you know, I'm a little bit nervous to say that out loud because we're supposed to be so grateful all the time. And I am grateful. I have the most beautiful life and family and career. And so the fact that I've been battling some discontent for most of this year made me feel a lot of shame and guilt. Like I almost thought it was even hormonal. Like it just didn't even make any sense. Like I was like, is this hormones? Is this depression? Like, what is this? What is this discontent that it really felt like it was seeping into every single area of my life. And I would go to therapy and I would talk to my business coach for the, those different areas, life and work. And I would really try to figure out like, why do I feel this way? There are so many things that are going right and that are going great. And I feel like a bad person for not being on top of the world about it all and doing a lot of inner work around this emotion of feeling discontent. One of the things that I really realized, I mean, it came through sort of a series of uh, light bulb moments kind of, or I don't know how you would say it because I feel like I was introduced to this idea and it took a, a little bit to grow on me. But one of the things that I realized was feeding a certain amount of discontent in my life was that I didn't have a destination in mind, that I didn't have a true north, a true direction that I was heading. Now, this is different than a goal or an achievement or an accomplishment. This is just like an actual path, but that is leading somewhere. (laughs) There's a little bit of nuance there between like trying to meet a goal and just trying to be on your path. I think this is why I was resistant to the idea when it was first brought up to me about like, you don't have a destination in mind because I was like, what do I need a destination for? I said, things are going great. I feel like I'm on my right path. And plus, this is the biggie. Aren't we told over and over and over again that we need to just work on being, let's just be instead of focusing on productivity or forward movement, progress, accomplishing, striving. In the things that I read and sort of the circles I run, a lot of that striving and effort is taught that it robs us of joy, that we need to be more still, which I love being still, that we need to be more content in just being 
which is an idea that I've always chafed against, but have, as I've gotten older, appreciated more than I used to. And so I have tried to lean into that. I have tried to just be more go with the flow. I have tried to be more stop and smell the roses kind of person. I do a lot of mindfulness. That's like a huge part of my life and very important part of my life and remains so and will remain so. But I was realizing in therapy and in coaching and in my own journals and my own meditations that for me, I need a little bit of a destination. Again, it doesn't have to be an accomplishment. It's not, you know, we're not going for an award season. (laughs) I'm going for just an intrinsic knowledge that I'm at least on the right highway that's headed towards somewhere. And I had spent a lot of my 30s talking myself out of that. I'd spent a lot of time trying to be more open to whatever life brings us. And I'm only now learning that you can be open and mindful and present also while being on the right path, that these different ideas are not in conflict with one another. So you know that saying, it's always spoken to me, that saying from Zora Neale Hurston in the book, Their Eyes Were Watching God, which is this beautiful quote that, you know, I feel it comes up in my life a lot. It says, there are years that ask questions and years that answer. That quote has given me some peace over the years because it makes me feel like, you know, one of my main mantras is clarity is on the way. So if you're in a metaphorical year or moment that's asking questions that does not seem to have any answers, knowing that you will be in a year or a time where there are answers is what allows us to stay in the years of questions. For me, I have sort of adapted that idea and have been sort of meditating on the thought that there are years where you wander and years when you're on the road. Neither are bad. Both can be great. But I have maybe wandered so much so that I'm ready to get back on the road. (laughs) I've taken some detours. They have been beautiful or instrumental in, you know, that I needed to learn something and I did. But I am ready to get back onto the actual road instead of the gravel path. There's so many metaphors in this episode. I hope that you're tracking. I'm purposely mixing all these metaphors because this is, you know, what my mind has been doing. This is what my journaling has been doing. And so if you are sort of also a person who sees metaphors in all parts of their life, maybe you will relate to that these messages that come to us, they meet us at the right moment. You know, when we see something, we read something, we hear a song lyric, and it just pierces our soul in a way that it might not would have in in a different moment, in a different season, at a different age. But it does right then. The message has found us. Which brings me to the third thing I've been thinking about that is going to continue our driving metaphor, our on-the-road metaphor. And that is something that my dad taught me. When my dad taught me how to drive, because my dad is the one, you know, who took me to the parking lot and let me learn to drive a car. Once we were out on the road, though, actually, one of the things that my dad really emphasized was that you must accelerate through the turn. That a lot of times when you're learning to drive or when you're just driving, 
when you go to take a turn, you break because you're turning, you're changing direction. So maybe you want to reduce your speed. Maybe you want to double check and look around to make sure no one's coming. (laughs) You break instead of accelerating through the turn. But you should have made those adjustments before you actually turned, if at all possible, that you stopped, you've looked both ways. Now you're committed to the turn. You got to make it. You got to accelerate through that turn. Have you ever been behind someone who did not accelerate through their turn when they're like stopping at kind of the wrong place in the road? It messes up the flow of traffic. It affects their driving experience and everyone around them. We tell ourselves to break when we turn, metaphorically and literally, because we are being prudent and we are being careful. But it is actually not really the flow of driving. Really, you accelerate through a turn, not going 100 miles an hour or anything like that, but you don't stop in the middle of a turn. That is not how a person successfully turns. Once you're turning because you made a choice to turn or because the dadgum road started to curve, you got to go. You got to keep going. You are going to cause an actual accident if you break in the middle of a turn. Now, like not to get too deep on this metaphor. Again, you don't want to like speed up so much that you lose control. That's the opposite problem. But when you break, when the road is turning, you will encounter resistance in all kinds of ways. It's just not the way you're meant to drive on the road. I think of this every time I'm behind someone who starts to turn and then breaks. Like literally, it drives me bananas. It used to drive my dad bananas, which is why he really emphasized this rule when he was teaching me how to drive. And every time I think to myself, like, go, accelerate through your turn. It's clear. You've got it. You'd already made sure that you got it before you started to turn, and yet you got spooked. You started to turn and you stopped again. What are you actually doing? I get so irritated in my head about this person who has stopped mid-turn or at least severely braked mid-term, which then makes me have to break and completely readjust because I'm behind them. And I always think of this thing that my dad taught me, accelerate through the turn. And then I always, because this is how my brain works, then think that it's a metaphor because it is. Accelerating through the turn is not something that most of us think about in our life because, again, we think it's noble and smart and prudent to pause when we turn. I don't have massive turns happening in my life right now. I'm not like in the middle of a big pivot or anything like that. But there are turns. There are always turns. And one of the reasons that I've found myself stuck over the last couple of years is because I feel like I keep braking. I keep tapping that brake pedal to stop and adjust and ask for other people's opinions. I keep forcing myself to stop and look around again to make sure no other cars are coming. Even though I did it 30 seconds before, I just keep stopping and starting and stopping and starting. And it is so hard to take a turn like that. It's hard for me to take a turn like that. It feels jerky. It feels whatever the opposite of flow is, it feels like I'm not on the right path, even though I am on that road, but I'm stopping and starting and stopping and starting. It's also very jarring for people around me when someone is trying to take a turn and they just keep breaking. And so even though it is scary, I am trying to 
accelerate through my turns, trusting that the road will appear before me, trusting that this is a turn that hundreds and thousands of people take every single day, trusting that I am safe on the road and that I am a good driver and that this road is the right one for right now. And if it's not, I'll find a new one. But that's not what I'm deciding on this turn. This turn is on this road and I'm taking it. I'm accelerating through it. Because lastly, I am not lost. You are not lost. This is one of my longtime mantras. If you've been around this show for a long time, you know that I say this, I mean this. I've made stickers with this saying, sweatshirts with this saying, you are not lost. I'm saying it because in my birthday month, I have to remind myself of this. In all of these metaphors of driving and being on a road and taking a turn and one point at a time and years that ask questions and years that answer, all of these things come down to something that I have to remind myself and I'm reminding you that you are not lost. We may feel lost. We may feel like we're in the wilderness. A road hasn't been in sight in many, many months. We may feel like we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what our purpose is. We've messed up or we're about to mess up at any moment. We may feel like we've taken so many wrong turns that we're either back to where we started or in somewhere unrecognizable. I know what feeling lost feels like. I have been through those seasons. I can feel that way for an hour on a Tuesday. Feeling lost has almost become a comfortable feeling sometimes because it's easier to feel lost sometimes than the vulnerability of acknowledging that we know exactly who we are. We may not always know exactly where we're going. That's what I've been talking about for myself. I'm not sure that I've had a destination in mind for a while. And for me, that has made me feel discontent, but not lost because I'm not lost. I am on a road. I am on a path, be it gravel or the freeway. We are all marching. So many metaphors. We are all moving forward. Time goes on no matter what we think or say, but we're not lost when we sit with ourselves and we know who we are. We feel lost because maybe our eyes are closed. If we were to open them and look around, we might not know that exact landscape, but we would know how to like be in the world because we know who we are. Some part of us does know the right path. Maybe not the destination up ahead, my struggle, but we know the next right step. We know how to move forward. We know what feels better and what feels worse. We know how to put one foot in front of the other. We know how to care for ourselves. We know how to make good decisions. We know who we are. And when it feels like we don't, we're not being honest with ourselves. It's easier to say we don't know who we are, that we feel lost than it is to admit that we do know who we are. And we've gotten out of sync with that for a minute. And we got to get back to that person. It's within us because we are not lost. Reminding you, reminding me, (laughs) saying it over and over again, that you are not lost becomes a mantra all to itself. Repeating that to yourself can be like the drum beat for a season when you have to remember who you are and you have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. You are not lost because you're not. 
This is also the theme that I've chosen for my first ever in-person gathering that I'm hosting in September. This is something I'm putting together for my Secret Stuff community. You have to be a part of Secret Stuff to be invited to the Secret Stuff Summit that I'm hosting in September. It is going to be amazing. We are going to work on this theme of you are not lost. There are very limited spots available because I've never thrown anything like this before. And so I wanted this in-person gathering here in Los Angeles in September to have an intimacy to it. I wanted it to be small enough that those of us in the room, we can really connect to ourselves and to one another. It is going to be a one-day event. It is going to embody all of the best parts of secret stuff, which is the best work I believe I'm doing on the internet. It is going to be a room full of the smartest, funniest, most thoughtful women. We are going to share our stuff and journal and laugh and eat. It will be a full day of connection. Again, it is for secret stuff members only. If you want to join secret stuff, you can do so by going to lauratremaine.com slash secret stuff. That is where I will release all of that information about the Secret Stuff Summit coming up in September. We have a great venue right on Sunset Boulevard here in Los Angeles. It's just going to be fabulous. I don't want this episode to spin off into <laughs> it being a you know infomercial for the Secret Stuff Summit. But I would love to see you if you're interested in joining us. The theme is what I've been talking about. You are not lost. I chose this theme One, because of course it is one of the mantras that I really preach, but also because I needed this message. And I know that some of you do too. I think a lot of us can get in this mind swirl of feeling like we have no idea what we're doing. I think this can come in all kinds of seasons. When we're emerging out of a season, when we're in an especially busy season, when we hit a milestone birthday, when we're post-pandemic, when we're looking ahead at an event on the horizon that we're worried we won't be able to handle, you are not lost is the perfect mantra for you to remember who you are. And I went swirly into this month of June feeling like maybe I am lost. I mean, maybe all this that I've been telling myself is just a bunch of spiritual woo-woo to make myself feel better, but I actually don't know what I'm doing. It took a few days and lots of journal pages for me to realize that the, the saying holds, you are not lost. I am not lost. I wish I could say that that makes everything magical and now I'm 44 and I figured everything out. (laughs) That is obviously clearly not true in the least. I'm still figuring a lot of stuff out in my life. I am on this turn that I am attempting to accelerate through. I am living in a year with both questions and answers. I am trying to focus on one point at a time. Did I catch it? Did I get all of the sayings into this last little part? This is what has been swirling around in my mind. In the middle month of the year, in my birthday month, where I wanted to share some personal things that I've been working through, and I hope that some part of this spoke to you and was helpful for you in whatever this season has brought into your life, in whatever your journal pages are full of or that would be full of if you were a person who journaled. I appreciate you listening to this show. I appreciate you following me on my journey. I love encouraging you on yours. Thanks for listening, friends. Now go share something. 
You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. And you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening. 